0: everybody it's Stuart Bell here welcome to another episode of the book more show today I'm talking with Betsy Vaughan we're going to dive a little deeper into a topic that we touched on last time so we often talk about your book as one of the greatest lead generation tools that you've got available really it's the best thing to get those prospects invisible prospects to raise their hand but the secret is then once you've got it completed is engaging and interacting with those people over the long term so They've raised their hands, they've expressed an interest, but really it's how you communicate with them over the next number of days, weeks, months, years, that is really going to lead to the opportunities to speak with them about uh, educating them and motivating them over time to do business with you and how you can best help them. So a couple of ways you can do that. Obviously, the immediate opt-in sequence is important, how you follow up with those people immediately those that are the most engaged, the most ready to go, the closest to making that decision ever gonna be ready to go now. But then it's how you engage with all of the rest of the people over the longer term. And one of the best ways of doing that is a podcast. We talked about that last episode, we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper. This time, going to give you some more ideas. It's going to be an idea that we're going to talk about increasingly over the coming weeks and years. I think there's, uh, there's a lot of talk about it out there in the community as a podcast being the best way of engaging, just because it gives you so many options to do things with that content once you've created it. So we're going to dive into some of those details today. It's going to be a great episode. If you are interested in us helping you get that podcast set up as well, we can do that. Just hit reply to this email or shoot us an email to, Hello at Ninety Minute Books, and we'll uh, give you all the details and get that set up for you. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Letty Vaughan. Hey Stuart Bell, how are you? Very good, thank you.
1: Okay.
0: um How's your week going?
1: Very good, busy. It's almost Friday. Been crazy busy though. Yeah.
0: It's um, time's going fast. Lots of updates for people on the books and making some changes updates new versions new books
1: lots so, you know people it's okay. haven't been quite as quiet um this summer as summers past um a lot of them busy true. i think it is like that people are using this time to update their books or you know they're starting to think about doing their book in september and so i'm getting a lot of those calls and communication and um you know so i've seen a lot of or people who have sort of fallen off a little bit or kind of, you know, maybe it's their slow time. So they're spending networking on their book a little bit. So, yeah.
0: Jumping back online. That's you true. There? I think for updates as well, being sort of five, four, five, six years in now, what are we? Five mm-hmm. years, I guess, since the start. So I guess there is more people are kind of doing that little cycling background where we might not have seen that in the past. Right, all.
1: right. Definitely seen yeah. it this summer. Yeah. yeah. Which is good.
0: It is, definitely, definitely. Well, one of the other things that is causing a lot of conversations is the idea, which we talked about a couple of shows ago, of the follow-up and how a book is a great idea to get people to raise their hand, but then once they have, what's that best follow-up option? So we're going to dive a little bit deep into one of those ideas today, I think. Super. Looking forward to it perfect so we are going to be talking about uh podcasts a couple of reasons one It's something that we've used, obviously, this show, which admittedly is a bit more sporadic than uh, we'd suggest people do. But uh, this show, we've got on the coaching side of the business, we've got more cheese, less whiskers, and the joy of procrastination. On the real estate side of the business, we've got the listening agent lifestyle. And now we're branching out a little bit further into producing shows for other people or facilitating shows for other people, I think is a better way of describing it, which we'll get into the, uh, the kind of nuance of that language in a bit. But having that as a mechanism for being able to regularly stay in touch with people in a way that's easy, because I think for years this kind of content schedule type approach or the understanding that okay, someone's on a list now, now we need to stay in, in contact with them, that as an idea isn't rocket science or anything new. But I think it's really surprising, or perhaps not so, how many people struggle with that stage. So. Oftentimes you'll see people talk about social media posts as a way of staying in touch, mm-hmm. but depending on your audience, for a lot of people, that's just too distant. It's not right. in front of people enough. i talk about blog post writing and that type of thing is a way of constantly pushing out content. Difficulty there is it's, a, it, it's an overhead, either to write that yourself or to get someone else to write it in a way that you want it written is challenging. So podcast really ticks the box as a easy way to create content a simple way of creating content that's engaging in the first instance when it's created in the first place but then it's also super leverageable and very scalable in the things that you do with it after the fact so um, so that as a as a mechanism is uh, is one of the easiest ways of people getting more content out there
1: I think so I think um... I think what it does for people is i think you may have said this, it does engage it, but it makes it feel very personal and, and more real. And I think you really find yourself like interested in what that person's saying versus just an email or just a blog like that. You really feel like you connect with that person that you don't know, but it's almost right. that very personal touch. And you kind of, you know, Hey, I, I need to, find out more from my friend, John or whatever, you know, you really, you know, it really does um, make you want to reach out and know more and, and sort of listen. And I know that even just with this podcast, that when we haven't, you know, (laughs) we haven't done one, um, people say hey where's the podcast you know like what we know so we hear that so um there there must be some some valuable content here that people are enjoying which is is great to hear when that comes across the screen you know so same thing with your business i mean people are looking for that and they've come to to rely on it so
0: yeah um, it's very valuable that that personal connection i think is one of the key differentiators as well i mean not only is it easy to create which is often the thing i talk about with people as the reason why to do it because it's it's more um, well like the preparation for for this show we put. Um, we obviously know the subjects, but we don't put a big show outline together or go through the details because nine times out of ten we are close enough to the subject to be able to talk mm-hmm. about it without referring back to notes so that goes same for the majority of people especially right. as you're listening to this now this is almost certainly the case for you because the audience that this show goes to is the same audience that have raised their hand to express interest in a book and it's exactly the same premise there you know enough information in your head to to get something created and, and right. prove value so it's it's another string to that but the making the personal connection and adding an extra dynamic that definitely goes a long way in terms of building a relationship and a rapport with people and even just giving them a a view behind the scenes and kind of that real world insights into the day-to-day going on one of the favorite people for for content at a kind of an extreme level is is Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, obviously, if you see mm-hmm. what he's doing, I mean, that really is a documentary of the day-to-day life. And he constantly talks about there the fact that it's not about just having set-staged pieces that are presented like produced content. It's just that constant insights into into the background of the day-to-day of what's going on. Um, now that's the day-to-day of what's going on at a very high-level organization and high-level individual. Mm-hmm. So there is a difference. That brings a certain amount of dynamic to it as well. But I think the same applies at, at any stage.
1: No, I think so too. I think it's just it, whatever's relevant to what's going on in, in your life, you know? Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into some of the um, some of the important Elements of the podcast that aren't necessarily anything to do with podcasting itself. I think like with the with the books, it's easy and expensive and time-consuming and costly to get caught up in the production process itself, where the real benefit of having the book is the fact that the book exists and it gives people to raise their hand and request so you can identify that invisible prospect that you wouldn't otherwise be able to identify as easily. So when we talk about creating books, it's much less about the production process and font cho- choices and pagination and all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's really about the using it. So the same with the podcast. The podcast is far less about the the production and much more about as long as you have a compelling message some valuable information, something useful to put across the amount of return that you're going to get for investing hundreds and hundreds of dollars in headphones and renting studio space and sound deadening panels around the room that you're speaking and a music bed underneath and Mm -hmm. a production engineer tweaking some, some dials. It was quite funny actually talking about that. We went to, um, it's Lucy's birthday coming up. So Mm -hmm. we went to see John Mayer in, in Philly a couple of days ago. And the seats we had were right next to the stage and the uh, the sound desk was just there as well. So watching the audio levels and the guys tweaking the dials and the level of automation. So, I mean, literally there were two guys, and am not suggesting that a John Mayer concert is the same as producing a podcast, but <laughs> there were literally two guys tweaking dials all the way through this three-hour show to get the audio uh-huh. perfect. Now, as an audience member, how much difference would people have known if they were or weren't doing that uh, to a certain level as opposed to like a set it and forget it type setup of set going, right. or even just a purely acoustic set of just him playing? I think that a lot of the audience would be perfectly happy to not have that level of production and just have the one-on-one experience a lot closer. Thank. Obviously, there's a million reasons why it's not a perfect analogy, so don't bother emailing and point out where it falls down. But that, that thing of if the message is there and the engagement is there, the extra bang that you get for the many, many books that it would take to close that gap, um, it's like the 80% uh, Dan Sullivan, Sullivan's 80% rule of the majority of the work gets done in the first 80% trying to get an increasing number of 80 percent improvements of the remaining 20 percent just the the cost accelerates away and it's not worth it so so again as long as there's a minimum viable um level of 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 quality it's really not about the production and i think it's easy to get sidetracked on that easy to make it seem difficult and you want it to be perfect before you start but um if the assumption is it's not going to be perfect until you get 100 episodes in then the first hundred as quick as you can with whatever right. you've got. and then <laughs> right, go from right. there.
1: Uh, Same thing with the book. Like you said, it's, every, right. there's the idea of perfection and it, it does not, does not have to be that. So, um, and I yeah, think people yeah. tend to, you know, I think people tend to like that real too. You know, there's, some, there's yeah. something, there was a time I think that we couldn't have gotten away with that, but I think there's so much more now where we're a little more casual, a little more, Real, and I think people prefer that you know, that that real person, you know, who's.
0: Do you know? I think it's a development of the of the environment. So when you exactly as you said, when you first, like the life cycle of what podcasts have gone through, has changed. So when you first started, the quality across the board was pretty lowish because. Mm-hmm podcasts at least not i'm not talking about radio shows that are distributed right. through podcasts but podcasts that people are doing themselves equipment was expensive um people didn't necessarily have the resources or the knowledge to dive into it too much so everything was a little bit rough and just technology was older then there was a period of of everything getting more and more refined as the game lifted and it lifted it to a certain ba- base. Ben <laughs> can't speak. See, so, so this uh, no matter no amount of audio production would get over Japan <laughs> words. <So>, right. <laughs> um, there's this the baseline was raised, right, so there's a certain bare minimum of audio quality which improved everyone. And now you see a lot of kind of fully produced and heavily produced shows coming mm-hmm. into the space. So all of like the NPR shows that come on or the uh, BBC podcasts that go through, they're actually really radio productions that are just distributed through a podcast mechanism. So they're heavily, heavily produced. Um, And now you've got this situation where the, more traditional podcasts are trying to get to that same production stage so they're putting in music beds or they're having like pre-roll extracts from the show some of the advertising that you see in podcasts now is getting very very clunky and Mm -hmm. obviously inserted ads which are uh, to my ear just a bit nasty so you've got all of this thing where people are trying to replicate a traditional Radio production quality, but it's actually a not worth the effort, and b it's a little bit disengaging because, mm-hmm. as you said, the authenticity and just the two people talking type um, interaction is much better. So, yeah, I think as just like with the book, so stick with yeah. that analogy because it's what everyone understands. Right. You could spend the low thousands of dollars working with those to get something out there that is perfectly acceptable in the job of work of quickly starting to engage people and getting them to raise their hand. You could spend another $10,000 running it through, goodness knows how many edits and changing the font so you using some special bespoke font. But how much is that going to move the needle really if the job yeah. of work is engaging people? Then Absolutely. you can spend 60 grand plus on books that have that take a long time to write, that have a lot of production value, that are a thing in and of themselves. But again, what's the job of work? If the job of work is engagement and kind of keeping the conversation going until people are ready to make a decision to work with you in one way or another, then it's not worth that effort. If what you want to do is sell a podcast to a network and get advertising revenue then it might be worth it but that's mm-hmm. probably not what we're talking about for the majority of people because right. now we're in a space where 10 years into the every year the resurgence of podcasts really to get that you might be able to sell something relatively small six or seven years ago but now Selling a podcast or getting a lot of advertising revenue is very much an education based, um, an entertainment based play and mm-hmm. not an education based play. So it's the same, exactly the same as with the books. Mm-hmm. The word book can mean many different things, has many different jobs of work. The word podcast, although it's still surprising how many people don't listen to any podcasts. But um,
1: I'm blown away by, p- yeah, but just people I know that. These are are people who are in businesses that, um, you know, like in banking and finance and, um, just, oh no, I've never listened. What, what should I listen to? They ask me, what should I listen to? I'm like, well, what are you interested in? You know, like just Google, start there. Just Google <laughs> if it's not your if you if you're looking for something outside of you know your realm and you just want entertainment, that's there too. I mean, like there's you can find a podcast on everything and anything. You know, yeah. um, somebody speaking about it. You know, so um, yeah, I'm I'm really blown away. I tend to, and I think I've said this before, um, when my significant other's watching football that I'm not so much interested in that's sort of my, on Sunday afternoons, that's when I catch up on all my podcasts. And so I just, so that it appears that we're having time together, we're sitting on the (laughs) same sofa, I have AirPods in, and I'm just listening and taking notes, and every once in a while I talk back to the person I'm listening to, and that's when I get a reaction, what? (laughs) So um, I I look forward to football season for different reasons, so I actually make myself (laughs) find the time to sit down and, and catch up on so many you know so um yeah but i am surprised at how many people don't listen at you know just the information there's a lot of valuable information out there a lot of you know compelling messages that you you know that somebody's wanting you know so yeah um
0: it's yeah. surprising to listen because no matter how you read newspaper uh, newspaper you read magazine or, or i guess newspaper articles about how podcasts are in a resurgence i mean like i said i've heard those stories for goodness knows how many years um mm-hmm. and if you listen to some of the bigger podcast networks the hosts on those shows they're always kind of joking about it every time it's a, a newspaper headline and then when you look at the shows um the downloads for the shows that, that we have that we've got access to and you hear about the show downloads for some of the bigger uh, produced shows that have got very big audiences it's a bit like youtube i guess there's some very big numbers out there but 99.9 percent of the of the population are in a much smaller, smaller niche. Um, But even so, it's still the case that a lot of people don't, um, it's not something that they necessarily listen to because they're not familiar with it. But that, I think, is where the opportunity lies because establishing something now where it is on the cusp of that we're no longer in the early adopter stage far from it Mm -hmm. um we're not even in the kind of that next bit of the curve where you kind of get in some of the enthusiastic fans they're going in and finding it now we're really in the stage of it's just starting to break into mainstream awareness if not actually mainstream adoption but then that adoption is the next one and i think when you look at things like um, apple um, carplay and android auto the way that they're making it now um um, in the Apple world, I don't know Android that much, but iOS 13, which is going to release later this year, makes the CarPlay interface much better to um, to stream audio and then allow it to do other things, so it's not like it's taken over. There are some talk about building podcasts into solutions. There's a lot of, um, like Spotify has invested quite heavily in podcast content. There's another organization organization, whose name is escaping me now. Um but anyway, they were in the news last week because they'd captured um millions in VC funding and were looking at a way of making podcasts are paid for service, which is kind of quite antithetical to the the um the idea, but still it shows that a lot of money is being passed into that space. Right. So anyway, I think that's the none of those things are really what we're we're talking about, but it shows that there is a growing um awareness out there that we can leverage and make the most of so i think now is a now is a good time so that kind of sets the scene for podcasts generally so what let's to specifically the way that, that we view them and use them and how it ties best into the that so you guys as you're listening here knowing that you're you're receiving this because you've expressed interest in writing a book so obviously we're talking about a kind of a marketing and engagement type context rather than than entertainment um right so recording I... the content sorry go for it no no go ahead i was just gonna say recording the content um maybe we will do a quick little show about that at some point in the future mm-hmm. just because there are a couple of ways that people can do it more easily than than other ways if nothing else, then I've recorded a show, a new one that we're going to put out in the next couple of weeks. We're just getting a bit of content to get started. Um, we recorded it literally on the voice app, the voice memo app on my phone. We were in the office talking. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it a little, for a little while. Said, "Okay, well, let's just bite the bullet and, and get going now." So we just literally recorded it into the phone, and the audio maybe isn't the best. Because we were in an office and it was a bit echoey, and with the two of us talking, and actually, my I forgot to put my phone on um, airplane mode, so it rang in the middle of this ah. recording, which interrupted it. But uh, but even so, that that's sort of worked, and we're left with a file that we can do something with. So the recording itself is is not too much of an issue. So we'll do another show at some point to talk about the what do you then do with it and how do you get it into a into a feed that type of thing. But the main thing to to emphasize here is this opportunity to, for once you've got the audio recorded once you've got the show it's what you can then do with it afterwards so the first thing and most obvious is you're going to release the show so that's not uh not difficult to imagine You've that the, right. you the show do whatever you need to do to get it released and then it releases now the majority of podcasts that i subscribe to apart from our own that's pretty much all that happens. They don't send any email, they don't send any follow-up. I don't even know for some of them if there is an opt-in in in any way. It's literally just recorded and published. Because the point of it is entertainment, really. They've got some advertisers on there that they'll talk about every now and then. Um, But really, the point is entertainment. So that, I think, is the bare minimum. And Honestly, from the point of view of a marketing plan, if you're, or an engagement, I don't necessarily wanna just say a marketing plan, but from the point of view of you engaging the audience to have some kind of outcome other than they just listen to it. If that's all you do, that's not terrible, but that's probably one step below minimum. Minimum is release the show and send out an email that the show is being released. So how do you capture those email addresses? Because as a listener, If you tell me to subscribe so that I can email you when the next, or so I'll get an email when the next show is released, then my podcast player tells me that. So there's not really a reason to to subscribe to anything. The book is then the perfect tie-in. So sending the podcast to the people who've opted for a copy of your book is the perfect way of keeping in touch with people. And then saying to new listeners in the show, If you want to continue the the journey, then head over to the podcast website and you can download a copy of the book, the manifesto book, where we're talking more about what we're talking about here. So for us, this is the Book More show. So we point people towards the 90 Minute Books website where you can download a copy of the 90 Minute Book and all of the other resources that we've got. That's the perfect time. You're getting people to raise their hand, giving them an the opportunity to learn more and understand, and you're able to capture the details of people who are interested in exactly the same way that the book would happen. So I think as a minimum, email out the show release notes when the show releases, rather than just pushing it into the feed and hoping that people will listen and listen in the feed. So that that's the the minimum one. So when Looking at taking that to the next level, okay. Well, you can then also release the show notes and the the release note onto social media channels, so you can push a Facebook post or a Twitter post or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever other platform that is out there or comes up. Push the same release note into all of those channels. Now there is some duplication, but that's always been the case for everything, and the. Our perspective, at least, is that duplication is not really an issue because we're not talking about um, an issue where we're looking at organic, the organic SEO type things, and their duplication might be more of an issue. Typically, people, particularly these days, aren't on all platforms. People tend to gravitate more to one than another. So, although they might have accounts on all of them, they're not necessarily active in all of them. Um, LinkedIn is another one I just missed off the list. push the distribution notes to all of those so that there's an increased likelihood that people are going to see it. And it's a reminder that you're there offering the service that you offer. So you might just pop up on their mental radar as they're they're thinking about having your service, which is the underlying reason for doing all of this. Um, So distributing into social channels, Mm -hmm. there's, if you have guests on the show, you can orchestrate ways that they can promote to their list so rather than having someone on the show and just talk about um just say hey that's great the show's going up if you want to share it share it then Mm -hmm. give them the way to share it so write the content of the blog post for them write the content of the Mm -hmm. email write the content of the the tweet or the social the social feed piece Give them some album artwork or some episode artwork that makes them look good and and gives them some extra credibility. All of these things that you can do means that they're more likely to do it. And if you can set the system up um, in an efficient way as possible, then hopefully the overhead for you creating that in the first place is relatively small. But you're giving it all to them as a way of increasing the likelihood. That it gets out there. It goes back to that old check move things, the um the Dr. Gleason one bat selling book, that you can't mm. make someone um you can't checkmate someone you always want to put them in check to force them to um to present the opportunity that it's going to be more likely successful other than less likely. Um, right. I butchered that analogy a little bit Go, go find <laughs> <it>. <laughs>
1: um, right, right, right. but that I mean when you so, stop and think about that like if you've got a guest on your show and then you're willing to you know write the post for them for their social I mean that's just a no-brainer you know that's it's not a lot of work it's not a lot of you know it's you're not writing a blog post you're not writing you know it's it's very simple right. and I think you know your your guests would be you know foolish not to feel like, jump on that opportunity you know
0: yeah particularly when you're doing this for yourself anyway so a post that gets written to say um a post gets written to say that we're yeah. releasing the show is identical to the post that say hey i was or, well, virtually identical to the post that says hey i was just on a show and here it is the so album art's all the same the details of what the show is about is all the same you just may be having to rewrite a sentence that is the introduction and you doing it means it's 99.9% more likely that it will get done it's still no guarantee but it's far more likely than if you just say hey that's great you should really promote it to uh, to, to your your audience um, right. so that's the um, so that's the, the kind of initial release the other benefit that it creates is this kind of it's the same social proof or psychological trigger the persuasion type um elements that a book achieves and trying to talk to industry experts is easier if you can say hey i have a podcast on such and such topic it'd be great if i could interview you for the podcast i'd love to be able to share your message the likelihood of them saying yes and wanting to um wanting to engage is far greater than just trying to get someone's time and attention for another reason so by association of other people within the industry there's a certain amount of credibility that's being reflected on you as the person that's bringing these things together and again this isn't anything new this has been talked about in the in the kind of written or or blog post type world for for years and years and years um and probably offline even even mm-hmm. before that but still just as you mentioned before the particularly outside of tech circles or in kind of air quotes entrepreneur type circles the number of people who have listened to podcasts or have been on a podcast or have been invited to be on a podcast is still really pretty slow pretty low Uh, in comparison with the general population so just as an example we're releasing a show soon that's talking about a particular tax setup now talking about small niches this one is very very specific but there's a big enough audience that it is a subject and for those people where it's important and it resonates this is super important the person who's hosting the show and when once it releases in in a week or two will definitely do a We'll do a little bit of a circle back and talk about it. In fact, we might even be able to get the person on the on the podcast here. And we'll talk about the uh, the setup. But um, but anyway, he was feeding back saying that he's reached out to some industry leading experts and really the the person that invented this whole uh, framework and was able to get time with the person and talk, and the person was grateful and was impressed at what was happening, all from the fact that this person doesn't. The other person, doesn't. the guest, doesn't work in tech. They're not a podcaster. They never kind of get any exposure to this. I think, in fact, they were referring to it as a radio show a couple of times when Mm. they were talking. (laughs) But still, because it's something that they've got no, they don't know how the sausage is made behind the scenes. Right, right. They were just asked to be on something that is being publicized, that in their mind sounded like a radio show. They hadn't been asked that before it was a great opportunity for for them i mean they're they're getting towards the end of their career now it's not like they're trying to leverage this platform but they just really wanted to share the message and the and the content with people and this was an opportunity that they hadn't been presented with previously so as far as it being able to open doors and when i say open doors i don't mean kind of in a disingenuous kind of jam your foot in and try and they can switch people into something that they're not expecting. This mm-hmm. is open doors in a genuine sense of there's an audience that's desperate and super interested in this information. How can we get it out to them? And this is more one of the one of the more effective ways. Um,
1: okay.
0: We've talked then about the creation, and so I just wanted to hit on one more thing, and that's kind of like the the leveraging. So mm-hmm. we talked about the creating and what to do on day one. We've talked about a couple of the bigger um, persuasion type things of why it's, a, why it's a medium that resonates with people and gives you a, a kind of a reflected light of, of the guests that you that you have on. So the leverage element is, okay, now that I've got this audio, what can I do with it afterwards? And if you haven't subscribed to the More Cheese Less Whiskers podcast, definitely recommend doing that. Head over to morecheeselesswhiskers.com because A, not only is it a great example of look behind the scenes at how the sausage is made. But Dean's got guests on there every week where they'll talk about this similar kind of framework. Might be different examples, but this similar kind of framework. So definitely subscribe to that one. What you'll notice there is that we're also able to leverage the content of each episode so that we send out not just one email a week, but three emails a week. Because twice a week, we also send out an email that refers back to a previous show that just takes out a kind of a um, a, a key takeaway, a kind of a nugget of information from a previous show and highlights it again in an email. Now, why do we do that? Well, we're really interested in the kind of super signature, which we've done a show on in the past, the super signature and the PS message that goes out with that email broadcast. And the message itself, the nugget, the takeaway from the episode is really just a way of, of keeping that conversation going it's a way of presenting the ps and super signature whilst also delivering something of valuable in a little bite sized easy to consume way again that email goes out in the form of the email and also social media posts Mm -hmm. Um, the content itself really comes from the audio of the podcast there's you need to rewrite a little bit Uh, just to make it make sense in 200 words but that's a lot easier than trying to write a 500 word blog post two times a week on on brand new subjects or, or writing words that didn't previously exist so again from a scalability point of view the opportunity that you've got to take this one piece of content and push it a lot further to get more um more bang for the buck out of it, more opportunities to get the PS and super signature in front of people whilst delivering something of value. Um, this is a, one important thing, I guess, is that this isn't those two nuggets aren't from the episode of the week that just happened. So it's not like you're just trying to hammer people to the same thing that they just listened mm-hmm. to a couple of days ago. This is from weeks or even months ago. So it's Um, it's not going to be so fresh in people's mind. It acts as a good reminder. There's a link back to the show if people missed it or if they want to kind of re-listen to it again because it spurs some interest. But really that is from these seed pieces of, uh, of content, these seed recordings, the ability to leverage this content into multiple touch points is really one of the more powerful things, particularly because we're all busy. We've all got a lot going on creating a structure and a setup so that you can do this as quickly and as easily as possible means that it's far more likely that you'll do it rather than not do it. Because I don't think anything that we've talked about is rocket science or will come as new or novel to people in terms of, I know I should be better at staying in touch with people but in terms of being actually able to execute on it this is one of those examples where the execution is more important than the idea because the idea is not necessarily anything new uh, but the execution is where people fall down and to be able to get that executed in a way that it's more likely to happen really makes the difference between doing it and not doing it. Very
1: true I think um, I was when you were speaking, I was thinking about, I mean, obviously we have a service that we can do this for people. And, um, right. but it really is, I mean, it, it's such a, it's such a, um, a small commitment on someone's, you know, of their time, um, to have someone do it. But if, if they have someone in house, they can do it, whatever, getting that out there. You know, I see the responses to our emails, um, most of our emails and, and even the ones that go into Dean's, you know, get forwarded to me and such, but, um, just the response from those things and how, um, you know, not everyone's going to respond and this, this email is not going to touch on every single person, but it really just takes one person. You know, if you get someone to based on these emails and this communication, and it may not be today, it may be six months down the road, but, you know, getting people to raise their hand and, um, you know, people who've been listening and listening and listening and then finally something, you know, they get them on those emails and they just the light bulb goes off, you know?
0: Exactly. That's the most important thing, I think, is this idea that it's the long term where the majority of the mm-hmm. business is, not the immediate term. The likelihood, unless you're an emergency plumber where someone's got a leak right. and they need something dealing with now, the majority of other transactions of other business relationships happen over the long term, not the short term. So this being a way that you can constantly stay in front of people, regularly stay in front of people, so that your one of your messages is likely, more likely to interact or intercept the point that they're ready. Yeah not even so much that the penny drops that it was some new piece of information that made the penny drop but it was just that the timing that the stars aligned and your mail happened to come in within a day or two of that when they think themselves oh yeah i really need to do something about that now that's the key difference because you can put people on the list as much as you like but unless you regularly stay in touch with them Mm -hmm. the likelihood of those things align is far too slim and you kind of leave in leaving relationships and money on the table so
1: I'm always surprised when I hear people who say oh I have a list of you know oh my list isn't very big it's 500 Well, that's 500 people when's the last time you sent an email oh gosh I haven't sent an email in two years I mean like there's that is that to me is just such an I mean no-brainer you know and we've used I can use this example and I will um because I don't know that he'll listen to this but with with my fiance, he has had a business almost 40 years and he has this, you know, he's got 35,000 clients and they have never <laughs> created that list, which you and I've talked about, but they're doing, they're, they're finally doing this and they're creating this list, but he's not, he hasn't been doing that. And yeah. um, when it finally dawned on me that he wasn't sending out emails and um, staying in touch with his clients, not just so that they would reach out in an emergency situation, but just for routine maintenance or referrals, um, you know, d- I was completely blown away. And I that happens yeah. to me all the time, having conversations with people who have, you know, significant, not, you know, 500 people is 500 people. I mean, it's, that, that's where you start, you know? Not everyone has to have thousands of people on a list, you know? It, it,
0: particularly in certain niches. I mean, when you think about any yes. local businesses that really specialize in something, I mean, how many, uh, I'm just looking out the window here and there's kind of fencing some random weird looking fencing across the road, which is probably pretty specific. So, mm-hmm. within a 15 mile radius of here, of people who have those fences, the number is probably pretty slow, pretty low yeah. rather. 500 people on that list probably represents a large proportion of the potential audience around. So, yeah, it's um, even if, and again, the podcast that we were talking about that we're just getting ready to release for the tax one I was talking about, one client a year is worth a substantial amount of money. If that Absolutely. podcast turns into even just one a year, then it's worth the the time and money investment of, of getting up and running. And that's even just on the immediate and obvious and, and trackable return, let alone the bigger picture of the extreme amount of content that's being created that can be reused year after year after year after year. It's, um, yeah, it really is... Uh, it's exciting it's exciting and straightforward it's um
1: yeah and i think i don't think people need to be scared about oh i don't have time or two emails a week or three emails a week that's a lot then don't start there start with one email you know just just something to constantly you know be you know in communication with them and um just sort of remind them that you're there you know just yeah hey because just like you said it takes one and some people in some business it is just That one email is such a return on the investment, you know, Um, it's definitely worth it. So, yeah,
0: definitely. Um, I just looked at the clock and as usual, we are running long. (laughs) So let's let's wrap there because I think this is a good (laughs) benchmark for that conversation of the ongoing engagement book as an opt-in as a reason to get people to raise their hand works great at the front end Mm -hmm. you then need something to follow up that thing that you've got following up you then need people you need to give people a reason to opt in and and raise their hand so Mm -hmm. the book works great in the follow-up sequence for the new audience that's that's coming through as well and the main thing is the main reason for doing it is the opportunity to stay in front of people and deliver that PS and super signature, which as I say, we've we've done shows on that in the past. And the main reason the a uh, podcast works particularly well, just like a book works very well to get people to raise their hand, is that it's there are ways to make it very simple to create and very leverageable and scalable. Um so it really is one of the easiest solutions, if not the easiest mm-hmm. solution, to, to get out there. Yeah. It's okay. um We'll do a couple of shows in the, in the future, to dive into a few more details. So as listen to this, if you've got any specific questions, then, then drop me a note. As I say, I'm say, i not too worried. There's a ton of resources out there for how to record a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure we can add much to that conversation, but if people are particularly interested, then we can do a quick show on that. Um, the podcast service that we mentioned, we that's a 90 minute book service that we've got, uh, Dial talk done. So, if you just shoot us an an email to support a ninety minute box, then we can get you the details on that. We'll be launching that live um, live to the general public in the next uh, month or so, probably. But anyone who's on the list already, uh, just shoot us an email, and we'll get you the details sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. Um, you can be the first to get that information back out. Um, and I think that's it.
1: Yeah, anything that
0: good. uh anything that we have missed
1: no i think that, that that's good stuff and um valuable to anybody who's been thinking about the podcast thinking about communicating with their list um or if you haven't been thinking about communicating with us, maybe <laughs> you are now so hopefully yeah. that's you know beneficial to you
0: Fantastic. Well, as always, head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast and find the show notes for this episode. As I mentioned, if you want any information on the podcast service, then just drop us a note with uh, dial talk done in the subject heading and we'll get you that information ahead of, the, ahead of the general launch. And as always, if you're listening and haven't yet started your book or are thinking about a second, then reach out again to support a 90-Minute Books, and we can help you get started with that as well. All righty. Thank you, Betsy. We will talk again next week.
1: Take care. Take care.